Come on, come on, come on, come on, now Put on your dues and sew your jacket on your name <laughs> arm. It's time for the 27 Club, and the clock's going off, and everything's going crazy at the beginning of this episode. What a what a professional start for our second-to-last episode of this series, man. I'm so, so exciting. You know, at, at least we have <laughs> yet to have any issues as far as recording I didn't realize it was on the hour, so now so it's far. really going. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, you know, because there was a good string of episodes where I, yeah. I, I apologize if this is where you started the podcast as a listener. Yeah, they, um, just at Kurt Cobain. They really wanted to hear that. Basically, they noticed, all of the you know, Nirvana yeah, They saw that yeah. the Beach Boys boys were there, and they said, okay, I don't love the Beach Boys, but I like these guys' style, so I'll keep it in mind. Then the Rolling Stones came along, and they thought, you know what? Still not a huge Stones fan. Yeah. But I, I still, I'm interested in what they're doing. I'm gonna keep. And then 27 Club. I don't like any of these artists, but Kurt Cobain. Yes, this is me. This That's is my time. Uh, and our apologies. <laughs> All <guess>. apologies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, man. Most of those episodes sounded like shit. Yeah. And uh, we just want you to know if you're also. An Amy Winehouse fan that we are, are sorry about Kirk Cobain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we kept calling him Kirk, which is pretty great. Have. To the point where I was watching an episode of Jeopardy last night and Kirk Cobain was the answer to one of them. And I out loud said, what is Kirk or who is Kirk Cobain? Like at the TV and then realized if I was on this episode of Jeopardy, I would have gotten it wrong because I would have said Kirk. Like I just fully yeah. would have automatically said Kirk Cobain. Without Can I say Kurt it. Cobain sounds wrong to me it now? It does. It's very strange. I think, I think we might have mentioned that on the last episode that Kurt Cobain has a better flow to it than Kurt. It sounds nice. I would agree. Yeah. Hey, let me turn this Change the turn this clock chime off real quick. All right. In the meantime, um, I think they should posthumously change. Kurt Cobain's name to Kurt Cobain because I don't know who's in charge of that if it's Francis Bean or if yeah. it's uh, Courtney Dave Grohl maybe yeah. whoever's in charge of it they gotta posthumously change that name they do yeah just change it all that's nice well hey speaking just reprint a few albums yeah. speaking of previous episodes I um, for one of the few times I actually I think hardly have ever done this on air um, but I'm gonna go ahead and suck my own cock for a second and just oh. say that I was really mad re-listening at a joke on the Paul episode that got, it was absolutely, I don't know that it deserved like to be paid that much attention to, but it was just really great. And I was the, you know, the bottom of all three people talking at once. I was on the lowest yeah. level and I was like, God damn, that was a good joke. And no one acknowledged it at all, which was sad. All right. All right. Yeah. I'd like to hear it. So, now I'm trying to remember how it actually came up. <laughs> yeah, explain your joke to me, Peter. What was the joke? There was a point in the episode that Sean was on yeah. where um, we both talked over a very good joke, and I edited both of our voices voices out because we were talking about Scott oh, Joplin. Yeah. He said yes. that was quite the entertainer. <laughs> That's good. I didn't even. Yeah, and it was a phenomenal yeah. joke. I didn't realize you had edited that because yeah on re-listening i think i texted you about how funny that joke was because i didn't remember it and yeah. it was fan-fucking-tastic yeah it's because we were both talking over it yeah and so i was like what we said is less funny than what sean said yeah oh for real well you didn't do that with this one 
I probably didn't understand the joke, if I'm being honest, Pete. Oh, it's in, yes, it's here in the Weird Al conversation. God damn it. Now I feel like I can find it. Because I remember the context, finally. Here we go. And there was some lyric on track two that was like, the time that you made it with the entire hockey team. And I got worried and I said, you got to skip track two. So, I'm very proud of that one. And now explain the go. joke for me. Oh, okay. Well, Debbie Does Dallas is a famous old porno, and the Dallas Stars are the Dallas hockey yes, okay. NHL team. Now, I did not know that there was an old porno named Debbie Does Dallas. Oh, you've never watched Debbie Does Dallas? No. I think I've watched... It seems like Jake is back on the episode. Yeah. Now, talking about his favorite porn. I'm pretty sure there was a weird moment. This gives people an insight into um, how much of a obnoxious person I was in college. But I think there was a weird moment in college when I was like, old retro things are cool. Porn is cool. I should be watching old porn, right? Like retro porn, you know, like you're into like 60s and 70s auteur filmmakers. And I'm like, maybe porn was good back then, too. And so I literally and was it. Uh, I don't remember much about Debbie Does Dallas, to be honest. And then I think that's as far as I got. I also always meant to watch Deep Throat because that one's really famous, too, but never got there. See, that one I am familiar with. But apparently, the woman who stars in it, whose name escapes me, Linda, something yeah. I think, um, she like basically didn't want to do that movie, and she felt like she was being sexually assaulted the entire See, time. See, I think what I ended up watching was there was a like a what am I trying to say? Like a scripted movie about it from later on, and I think yeah. I watched that, and then With was like, oh yeah, I it. should not be watching <laughs> the old one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Had- uh, Amanda Seyfried. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. I think I ended up just watching that and then was like, oh, yeah, no, I, this is good. Oh, um, okay. So Debbie Does Dallas from released in 1978, rated X, hour and 20 minutes long. A cheerleader and her friends need to make money quickly. So they begin selling sexual services. Wow. What a plot. Yeah. Huh? Right. And I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah. She gets a spot on the roster of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Uh, which are only referred to as Texas throughout the movie, which is confusing. Um, so the only scene I remember is I'm pretty sure there's a scene where they all fuck in the locker room. Pretty hot. Oh, you know, if you told me there was a movie called Debbie Does Dallas where she is a cheerleader, I could have told you that. So I personally, both not being a hockey fan at all, I think I'm very proud of myself for coming up with Debbie Does the Dallas Stars immediately, just based upon made it with the whole hockey team it's pretty good thank you and now we can and now you can edit all of this out later yeah i'll keep some of it in. Uh, i literally was just gonna text you it and then i was like it's really long to explain the whole context i'll just tell him <laughs> when we're talking well when and we then record. you had to explain to me what debbie does dallas was exactly so. it's good that we did this on air yeah uh okay well some other uh, the, the, this isn't news oh, there is some beach boys news later but not quite it's good to know we have some 27 Club news, and eh, news is a strong word, but just really, so in our time between our last recordings, I went on a work trip uh, to Dallas, Texas. I oh, did not, wow. I did, Pete did, Pete did Dallas. Cool. Yeah. Dick down in Dallas. Um, and interestingly, I heard a lot of Doors music while I was in Dallas, and it was in always... Dallas, huh? like on a playlist with some other 
kind of classic rock and then like country and like classic country and like blues and stuff like that. And I guess I was just very surprised that the doors made it on that list. It was like weirdly that list like to me seems very Texasy. Yeah. To where I'm like that I can't imagine anybody who I picture living in Dallas listening to Yeah. The doors. It weirdly like I mean, look, these were like playlists or something in a restaurant. It might have literally just been Pandora. But it weirdly like legitimized the doors for me that I'm like, wow, I'm hearing the doors alongside like classic country stuff and like some classic blues rock stuff in like a, you know, so Texas barbecue like, Mamas, restaurant. Don't let your babies grow up. Basically. Cowboys. And then and Roadhouse then, Blues doop, doop, comes doop, on. Yeah. yeah. Roadhouse so, yeah. Blues, that one kind of makes the most yeah, sense. Yeah, here were me. the ones that I heard. Roadhouse Blues. And then and I will say this one fit in perfectly just kind of as background music. And then I was like, oh, yeah, which Doors song is this? And it was L.A. Woman. And then I was like, oh, that's a really weird one to be playing. You know, yeah. But yeah. And I now I'm forgetting where that one was. But hmm. but I was surprised. Not the Wasp, unfortunately. The only the one with Texas in the name. The best. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. So. Anyway, that was just a little bit interesting to me. But Texas, they love the Doors, PJ. And I'm going to assume that anybody from Texas is a huge Jim Morrison fan from now on. Oh, yeah. My grandmother, biggest Morrison fan I've ever met. That's right. Look, they love the Doors. They hate abortions. It's a pretty interesting interesting place to be. That's true. Um, You know, Jim Morrison, (laughs) if he was alive today, I think he'd be pro (laughs) <laughs> Jim Morrison, I think, would be. Oh boy, he'd be something else if he was alive today. It's... I don't think we want Jim Morrison alive today. No, we absolutely do not. But do you think he would go into like? I'm trying to think. I feel like there are others similar to Jim Morrison that are like, "Ooh, that's a Trump guy now." You know? Yeah, I think he would be. He would be doing kind of the Morrissey thing, where he's like, some of the stuff he's into is like good some of the stuff he's into is really bad but he's just really pissed off about all of it and is really opinionated and is mad that he can't just be opinionated about everything without getting but random blowback from people however he's probably less racist than morrissey is right i guess the one thing that (laughs) that i'm saying morrissey is into that's good is the veganism is like yeah that's a good thing more people should be vegan but says you (laughs) yeah but everything else about Morrissey, not too great. But yeah, I just feel like Jim Morrison like would, he would just be, I think, one of the many people these days, PJ, who's just really mad they can't say what they want without anyone getting mad about it. I yeah, feel like that would I, be there his There are a problem. lot of people, I mean, I don't know how old Morrissey is, but he went gray early on, so I'm guessing he's the same age as Clapton. Clapton, you know, yeah. fucking... Uh, Rowan Atkinson. Ra- <laughs> Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> apparently. Van Morrison, yeah. apparently. yeah. Or wait, Van Morrison? Yeah, I think right? Van Morrison was one of the guys who did a pandemic song about how bullshit all these rules are. Yeah, I get him and James Taylor mixed up, I feel like. I did this last week, uh, too. Well, I, I was going to say into... Neil Young, maybe. He's extremely liberal, but I feel like he and Van Morrison sometimes get confused in my mind. No, I see. The Just three as that I man. always mix up are um, Cat Stevens, Van Morrison, and... Uh, and James Taylor. 
Where like in my mind, I'm yeah. like, that's one guy, right? Yes. And then I remember one of them is like in is an Islam guy now. God. And uh, then I'm like, oh yeah, Yusuf. Van Morrison looks like shit. So oh, I forgot he, this. He, he looked like shit in the 60s though. He did the songs with Eric Clapton. I was thinking they did separate <laughs> songs, but they wrote, <laughs> they collaborated on them together. Stand and uh, Deliver is the first one. That's the one where they're real peeved off. You let them it. put the fear on you, but not a word you heard was true. Damn. Oh, this has got to stop. And then they did Born to be Free, No More Lockdown, <laughs> As I Walked Out. God, these guys suck. Yeah. And like Eric Clapton, I can do suck. I don't give a shit about his music. But Van Morrison, he's got some that good stuff. That is a stuff rough one. And I'm day. like, I know with Eric Clapton it kind of brought to light a lot of his previous uh racism. Indiscretions. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know much about I've never known anything about Van Morrison. Like I don't know if just the pandemic was the first time where he got political. Well, it's not pol- political, but um, the first time he decided to be really outspoken about something. Let's see. Uh, May 10th, 2021, the LA Times yeah. wrote an article called Van Morrison, Eccentric Genius to Conspiracy Theorist. So I think they're yeah. at least positing that that's a new development, it sounds like. He uh, he got a Facebook and really went down a rabbit hole during that time nice. a bit. Old People and Facebook. Name a more iconic duo. <laughs> I'll wait. Uh, okay, so very quick Weird Al talk, just to check in with all our yeah. Weird Al fans out there, and we are not doing a Weird Al podcast. Fuck that noise. Maybe um, we're talking about it next week. But yeah, maybe, actually. I'll put it on the list. But um, the trailer for his movie came out, and I did not realize until this moment that it wasn't a straight-up biopic. No, and I don't it's know based if, off of... Did I, you ever see, back in the day, the Funnier Die sketch that was like... It was when all of those fucking biopics were coming out of the guys from 50s and 60s, and it was Aaron Paul playing Weird Al, and no, they just made it look I don't very... remember this. So I think they based the entire like Weird Al movie on that one sketch. Nice. That was like this like ha- like reimagined like hard edge like Weird Al biopic. Yeah. And that was a very funny joke. And then I think they thought it'd be funny if we made this a whole movie. <laughs> it would be funny. Um, I'm very excited to see it. Me too. Well, I was like, yeah, I'm much more excited than I was. I was definitely still going to watch it just because I like Weird Al and it seemed like it was yeah. at least going to be interesting uh, and probably different because, but I, yeah, I didn't fully realize what it was and now I am extremely excited. So it's going to be pretty good. Oh, yeah. And then I read a funny interview with him too where like he famously even though he doesn't have to, he'll like go ask artists to use a song and to parody it and all that. And like, except for Coolio. Right. And will go out of his way a lot of times. Um, and is also famously just a super nice guy. And not that I think he's going to like be taking people down, but I read a really funny interview with him about the movie where he said like, yeah, when we started writing real people into the movie, we were asking our legal team what was allowed. And they said, Hey, it's a public figure. You do, you can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, that was pretty freeing. I didn't realize. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited. <laughs> that is phenomenal. I really hope their lawyer is just like a Saul Goodman type that's just like, hey, I don't yeah, care what you do. Fuck it. Who cares? I'll get you out of any <laughs> scrape. <laughs> yeah. You're weird out. You do what you want, pal. <laughs> Why is this our weird Al? Or our weird Al? Our better call Al impression. 
Oh, sorry. We're stealing from another podcast now. Um, okay. Well, finally, a little bit of Beach Boys news. Just a, a small little moat of news, but. Beach Boys News. I'm just going to save that drop and play that every time we've got Beach Boys News. Hell yeah. Um, so, Beach Boys News. It's it's sort of Beach Boys not news, if as you were, but or as it, as it is. What am I trying to say? So... <laughs> I don't know. The Beach Boys, I got very excited, PJ. So I went on this work trip and I got an email from whatever like foggy old Portland town events email list thing I'm on that tells you about, you know, upcoming concerts and festivals and shit like that. All that. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the main things on it was the Beach Boys playing the Oregon State Fair. And I got really excited for a second until, as everyone in the world does, they realize, oh, that means it's the Mike Love Beach Boys. Yep. Yep. And crazily for Portland, and this was also like one of the alternative newspapers mailing lists, they were like, go, it's fine. Just know Mike loves a Trump asshole, but enjoy the Beach Boys. It was like, that's, I don't understand that at all. Shouldn't we be decrying them being booked at the state fair? You know, like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Um, so that was really interesting. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll still like it. It might be interesting, and especially, like, it's at the fair. Maybe it's, like, you just pay to go to the fair, and I can stand in the back and watch a couple songs, you know. First of all, it ended up being, they were very late on this, it ended up being the next weekend, which was the weekend of Shelby and I's one-year wedding anniversary, and so I couldn't go because we were out of town. Well, you were there for the wedding. You weren't there for the anniversary. Oh, okay, okay. okay. I was going to say, unless I missed something. I wish I would have been there for the anniversary, yeah. Oh, yeah, PJ, you would have loved it. Um, so boned, boned up and down all night, all day. We did Dallas good. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys stayed in the Airbnb I managed, so I've got videos of all that. Yeah. There were cameras and all those teddy bears on the couch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and also that big film camera I had running. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wasn't going to be able to go because of that. And here's the real reason I wouldn't have gone. Even if... Even if it was Brian Wilson, even if it was I had nothing else going on, here's the reason why I wouldn't have gone. Do you want to guess the admission price for the Mike Love Beach Boys in 2022 playing the Oregon State Fair? What is that in its general admission? This is not tiered seating. $125, Bob. Ooh, you overshot it, but still, it was $75 fucking dollars. No, for the fucking fair concert. That is, yes, that is insane. In- I have seen Steely Dan at like a similar, not at a fair, but like kind of a similar outdoor concert thing, and it was, yeah, I think sixty dollars, and they were a double bill with the Doobie Brothers. Like, cool. Our yeah, our hometown. You can go to any state fair concert. You can buy a pass and go to any one of them for like one hundred twenty-five dollars, right? Yeah. Or you can see any individual act for like thirty bucks. Yeah. 50 bucks if you want to sit front row it was fucking nuts like that is so wildly expensive that is so wildly expensive even if well no i was like i was gonna say even if they were the beach boys even if they were good but i guess that's that's actually pretty normal for like a normal arena show a modern arena show to start at like 75 bucks a ticket but that is for the quality of the beach boys 
at this point, like their music and the quality of that concert and the venue, that is an absolutely insane price. That is crazy. I'm yeah. going to look up how much it is for a normal concert here <laughs> in Nashville. Okay. I'm going to look up. Uh, they're playing in Nashville. Just because you're saying. In in May, they were playing in Nashville. I want to see how much the tickets are because mm-hmm. it's not a big event. It looks like. Yeah. Oh wait, this is with the Nashville Symphony. Oh, interesting. That can't be right. Yes, with okay. no, that would actually that be, be kind of more expensive, cool, or cheaper. We've seen a couple well, like symphony front orchestra, shows. One twenty five. Yeah. But that's still pretty. Okay. That's pretty fucking expensive, man. We've seen a couple symphony shows uh one of shelby's favorite artists does a lot of like he'll tour around and play with town symphonies and uh boy i think it was like 40 bucks a ticket and he's like a pretty famous (laughs) like i don't know that is wild to me that they would be trying to charge 125 dollars for anything involving (laughs) mike love and and bruce johnston and amarillo it's also 73 dollars jesus is so expensive nobody wants to see well i guess there's a fucking i mean boomers people must be seeing it if that's but yeah i yeah not only is that a crazy price but i really i can imagine like there is a market that would pay that price of older people but i think the beach boys are too old like they're at like retirement home age for people who are that interested in it and so it's like i I bought a bob dylan ticket the day of for forty dollars yeah god damn like what are you doing mike all right. I mean, a lot wrong, but that's just another Yeah. One. I mean, he's not a good man. We know that. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, one more little piece of business before we can start getting into Amy Winehouse, unless you have you have anything to add. But no. I wanted to address, I don't actually know if we've talked about this on the show, but I was thinking about it a lot after we recorded our Frank episode. Oh, is it that? All of the members of the 27 Club die at 27. <laughs> no, but have we talked about that on this show? It's no, We're going to, in our wrap-up so. episode next week, we're going to have to really break that down because I'm, at this point, I'm just confused about what's what. And I'm not so sure. Because they so. keep, they're like, supposedly they're all supposed to be 27 when they die, but then they're dying, like, 20, 30, 40 years apart. It doesn't make and any sense And they're all to born me. in different years. I know. What does that well, mean? Well, because, like, the three that all die kind of near each other, that makes sense because they could all be the same age, but then, like... How is Kurt Cobain the same age? I don't know. Wouldn't Robert Johnson be like a 90 years old? Exactly, PJ. Anyway. So we'll get to the bottom of that. Something that happens on this show a lot to me, <laughs> which I think I, in context clues kind of comes up a lot. We're all think more fondly about an album later on with some distance. But mm-hmm. it happens to me a lot where we listen to an album, record the episode. I don't like the album at all, really. And then the whole week after that, that album is stuck in my head. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I actually kind of like those songs, like more than I realized I did. And it's happened to me several times. That's like Janis Joplin's second album. I remember being that way where I didn't love it. And then all those songs were stuck in my head for a week or two afterwards. And now I really, really like that album. I don't know if we'll get there with Frank, but I we like really trashed Frank because it it's not that great. But Not a, good album. a few of those songs were like really, really stuck in my head afterwards. And I think part of what we were saying about it is it's not that hooky or poppy. And it was like, mm, all right, I guess it kind of is. So see, here's my thing about that, Pete, is that I have literally not thought about the album since we t- were done talking about well, it. Well, you know, what's funny 
is that then today I was thinking about that again and I'm like, oh yeah, what songs were they? I should go see which songs. I scrolled through the track list and aside from like the two or three I remember liking, none of those song names meant anything to me. I was like, I couldn't tell you what that song was for a million dollars. And we talked about that last week. There's like 40 songs on the fucking album and like three of them are worthwhile. So yeah, it's weird. All right. Well, do we want to go ahead and get into back into Amy Winehouse? Oh, Pete, I'd love nothing more than to get back into Amy Winehouse. All right. Uh, okay, so after Frank comes out, uh, Amy, it, the, all the songs are stuck in her head, too. Um, Apparently. And, no, they're not. She starts getting into other types of music. So we know Frank was very much based on her love of old 50s jazz and soul singers, especially the man himself, Frank Sinatra. Oh. Uh, which, on the plane... <laughs> On the plane back from Dallas, there was a guy watching a movie on his iPad in front of me that was a Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, um, Louis Armstrong. Dean Martin? No. Um, Grace Kelly movie. A, yeah, it was wild. The, and that, that guy's flying back from Dallas? Such Dallas a, must be wild. Such a stack. There's a lot of stuff cast. going there I don't know about. He yeah. was, I had a weird flight where a, all the people sitting around me were on both flights. They were going there and coming back, and they were all clearly uh, people going on a work trip. Like, it was a bunch of 45-year-old dudes in button-up shirts and slacks, so. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was a weird one. <laughs> I looked up the movie. It's not supposed to be very good. It's a remake of The Philadelphia Story, but with those four people. <laughs> Wild. Wait, I thought, I thought the Philadelphia story was when Tom Hanks gets AIDS. That one too. Yeah, it's yeah. a pre-make. They call it. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So after Frank is released, Amy starts getting into a different type of music, '60s girl group music. Um, and starts a new relationship with a fella named Blake Fielder Civil. Uh, who she met working on music videos. He was an assistant, like a production assistant on for music videos. Um, so while they were together, they spent a lot of time at this local pub near her house that had a jukebox full of old uh, music, and she just got really, really into it. Um, so after a year or like, yeah, I think a year or so, Blake broke up with her to get back together with one of his exes. Uh, and that relationship and breakup informed the bulk of the songwriting for her next album that was all going to be in this 60s pop style that she had really gotten into. Um, so obviously, famously, she also gets into the look. She, from here, like really almost, in, I think, until she dies. Oh, oh yeah. It's she the rocks the life. beehive thing. That. And, you know, I think she was thinking she had seen the girl groups, right? And yeah. thought, oh, I can do that. Yeah. But didn't realize that they had something under there, you know? Well, she, it's a weave, apparently, or, you know, a, a really? wig. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Because it's huge. I, I had forgotten how big it was. Some of the Wikipedia pictures are honestly astonishing. <laughs> She's probably the person I'm least familiar with, like, oh my God. Like, if you, that is a lot if you go to her Wikipedia yeah. page, and scroll down to the criticism section, there's a picture of it, and it is probably almost a foot tall. It's, like, probably eight inches tall. It's crazy. That That is wild. And then it's also really funny. <laughs> then there's some other pictures where it's, like, 
maybe the end of a humid day or something, and it's like totally fallen over. Um, That's like the pictures I'm thinking of in my mind, where it's like yeah, so, so like yeah. so it just looks crazy. less crazy. But um, so she rocks the beehive thing and wears like the Cleopatra esque makeup um, as well. So she enlists for this new venture into '60s pop. She enlists the Dap Kings, Sharon Jones's backing band, uh, to come into the studio as Amy's backing band for the album. Um, and she gets hooked up with a guy, a little guy named Mark Ronson, uh, who I did not realize was this old. Um, yeah, he's like he's 45. Yeah, and I yeah. really, I did not really know about him till his new resurgence with Bruno Mars, and so I kind of assumed he was like in his thirties or something. Um, that's kind of my favorite thing about him is that like him and Pharrell are like old men. Yeah. I guess Pharrell is like 50. Pharrell is a little um, older. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like when him and Mark Ronson make music or like when him and Bruno Mars make music, it's just like old guys making music for children. Yeah. That's a good point. That's really, it's interesting. Um, also he, and I guess I haven't seen Mark Ronson recently, but uh, Pharrell really he, does not age. No, Mark Ronson still looks good for his age, too. Yeah. Um, so, Mark Ronson... Uh, yeah, no, he does look he does look pretty good. Like, his hair looks a little weird in this one photo, but... Anyway. His hair always looks yeah. weird. So, he was a producer, uh, and he had his own label. Uh, I think still does, but... Um, who kind of specialized in doing hip-hop and, like, old vintage kind of music and samples and sounds and everything he also i did not realize this plays like five instruments um which is kind of interesting. i know he's a keyboards and guitar guy yeah he's credited with bass on a lot of stuff um that makes sense apparently a bass player so yeah it did actually this he's one of those dj producer guys too who does his own albums where he'll just like do all the backing tracks and write songs and then have other people sing I was like, I should actually look up one of his albums. Maybe he's, you know, better than Uptown Funk makes you think. Um, not that that's I mean, produced he's incredibly poorly, talented. Yeah, it's just an like as a producer, song. he's great. Yeah, yeah. But he he can fucking rip out a pop song like nobody's business. Yeah. So anyway, so she hooks up with him at this point before he did Amy Winehouse. He was mostly known for doing a lot of hip hop stuff. He'd worked with a lot of hip hop artists. Um, other singers, soul singer Nikki Co- or Nika, 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 Jesus Costa, Nicki Minaj, yeah. um, and Christina Aguilera, and the his most iconic credit everyone knows Mark Ronson from playing bass and singing on Jimmy Fallon's 2002 album The Bathroom Wall. <laughs> ah, yes, yeah. Um, so. Amy starts working on the next album. Uh, she first starts working with Salam Remy, who was the producer on Frank um, in Miami. So she's just working out. She works out some songs with just Remy and one other musician providing some like basic backing instrumentation. And then her publishing company, same company that works with Mark Ronson, wanted like uh, hooked them up, arranged a meeting in New York uh, where they met up and started working on some other songs she'd written. Um, so when they meet, uh, they meet to talk about some music. She talks about her bar and really liking the Shangri-Las and other music of that ilk and plays him some of her demos and all that. 
Um, Mark agrees to work with her, says he'd get back to her soon, and he wrote the song Back to Black that night to bring back to her. To hmm. Black. To her. Um, yeah. So, and apparently he liked working with her, uh, aside from, I assume, her talent. <laughs> Uh, he liked working with her because she was really straightforward and would just straight up tell him if she didn't like something he was doing or a suggestion or whatever, which I feel like we hear a lot when we talk about, I just, obviously I feel like especially maybe more now people are not that like blunt with each other. And so that feels like a thing that people, people talk about all the time where they're like, it's so refreshing. They just tell us what we're thinking, what they're thinking. Cause it would, probably be frustrating being a producer and having like six people standing around and the artist being like, well, I don't know. I don't love it, but maybe it might work, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and then she's like, it's shit, Mark. Exactly. It, that got real Boston-y and <laughs> yeah, like, not very, the first two words were great. And then Mark, wow. Um, say Mark in a British accent. Mark, 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 Mark. Um, yeah, but her British accent. Oh, I don't know. Her Do British a scouse yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and then rehab, they wrote together, uh, based off a conversation when they went out on a walk while they were in the middle of recording and she started telling him about Blake and him going back to his ex and all that. And after he left, she had been drinking a lot and her family confronted her saying, you know, they tried to make me go to rehab. And I said, no, no, no. And Mark said, wait right there. That's a hit song. Put it on tape. Um, so they actually, you know, he got that, he got his pocket tape recorder out right there and they did it on a skiffle guitar in the street. And here we are. Nice. Um, yeah. So there's a ton of people credited with playing on this album, mostly because they have, they credit at least on Wikipedia, like every individual person playing strings and brass and all that. So there's like, so there's all the Dap Kings people. Uh, there's a drummer, guitar player, trumpet, baritone and tenor sax player from the dap kings who i assume play right. the majority of stuff on at least the mark ronson tracks um so he ends up splitting he and salam remy produce half the tracks each mm-hmm. um well it's 11 songs so someone has to do one more but anyway um nope they each they did five and five and then they they combined efforts on they one. each used one hand on one and they had their legs yeah. in a in a um canvas they were sack. scissoring yeah scissoring in a canvas app um but there's like 30 other musicians credited which is kind of wild and interesting and cool that it's like not that i I don't want to get too old guy and be like they don't make music like this anymore because they do um there are definitely pop albums that are all like quote-unquote real instruments but it was it's a very interesting one to see where it's like she's working with a very famous pop producer and it's all you know actual uh musicians and everything and they aren't using samples or canned yeah. beats or whatever well, so. well you also gotta assume some people got fully edited out of the album like but they have to be credited because yeah recorded. maybe that's a good point or there's the jim keltner types that just hang around the studio and they're like oh that could use a maraca i'll play maraca on it <laughs> and then they get that fucking True. bag there's a lot of people credited with just claps or just uh snaps or whatever you know stuff like yeah. that so um Actually, now I'm curious. I've never, I mean, I've heard Uptown Funk a million times, but I've never listened, listened. I'm curious what, who's credited for playing instruments. Mark Ronson is credited with guitars, Lynn drum, drum machine, 
uh, engineering, producing, songwriting. Let's see, keyboards and talk box. Someone else. Bass, additional keyboards, trumpet, sax, trombone. Really? So only, I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty much regular instrumentation there as well. Although I don't see a, a drummer. Oh, no, there's a Bruno Mars plays drums on it. So interesting. Okay. You know, he, like I said, I don't know a hell of a lot about Mark Ronson, but I think he is like a real instruments guy. I think like that's his thing. Uh, yeah, like I, this. This sent me down a weird Mark Ronson rabbit hole where I learned that all of my all, everything I thought I knew about Mark Ronson was wrong, and now I'm gonna go write a Medium post about it. Um, so, anywho, the album was finished in just about five months, crazily, uh, and yeah, should we go ahead and get to our Rolling Stone review before we do our track by track? This little thing called like a Rolling Stone. Right, the Rolling Stone review. We have what is maybe our shortest Rolling Stone review we've ever talked about. Uh, Back to Black, crazily, only made it into like the little one paragraph section at the you know end of the magazine. So there is a huh. long, it's a long paragraph, but a single paragraph review uh, written by Christian Horde, who still writes for Rolling Stone. Or at least he's most recently credited with writing a story about Taylor Hawkins dying, so I assume he still works there. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, it was published February 6, 2007, and they give it three stars uh, out of five, right? I haven't uh, yeah, thought three, about their star rating in a minute. So, three stars. So we'll just read the whole thing. Rehab, the must-hear song that opens the second album from British soul singer Amy Winehouse, is a Motown-style winner with a banging beat and a lovesick bad girl testifying like Etta James about how she won't clean up her act. It's followed by the excellently funky You Know I'm No Good and Me and Mr. Jones, the latter of which begins, What kind of fuckery is this? You made me miss the slick Rick gig. Winehouse is a nervy, witty songstress whom indie rockers, pop fans, and hip-hoppers can dig. On Black, she gets help from producers Salam Remy and Mark Ronson, who turn classic soul sounds into something big, bright, and punchy. The tunes don't always hold up, but the best ones are impossible to dislike. Witness Addicted, a wistful gem in which Winehouse chooses weed over a lover. Hmm. So, not obviously a super long review, but we'll see if we agree. I... That's the most middle-of-the-road review we've had on this show. It's either been, it's fucking shit, this is the worst album I've ever yeah. heard, or like, you know... But with more clever insults, like, right. oh, they wish they could think about what the Beatles were doing. You know, right. some, like, dumb, waxing, poetical, poetical, poetic yeah. on, you know, just some shit. Or, like, it's the best dumb I've ever heard. This was very, like, yeah, I liked it fine. It's also, I mean, I think part of that is just that it's so short. So, like, yeah. usually they go on long enough that they kind of have to come up with more to say a little bit. But, like, in one paragraph. Yeah, you kind of just got to yeah. pick a lane and with, or, with a three-star rating. So, anywho. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and go track by track through Back to
Welcome back to the 27 Club. Talking back to black. Um, it's a sack. Does she cover that song on this? No, and I will say um, it was not referenced in the Wikipedia article at all. I don't know why it's named this. Really? No. There's a song on the album called No, that. I know, but like... Uh, it's another really famous song, I get or album. So, I don't know. Well, that one's back in black. Is it? Yeah. Back in black. I don't listen to ACDC. Oh. Yes, you do. Shut up. You fucking love Bon Scott. You love Angus Young. You love Brian Jones. You love the others. Who is the original guy? Brian something. I don't remember his last name. You know, we talk Johnson, about like Brian Johnson. Yeah, people talk about it. I'm not saying anything new, but it is remarkable that they were like, "Oh, mate died in the band. We'll just get a new singer, and we'll make sure the new singer just sounds exactly like him, so we don't have to change any fucking thing." Yeah, truly weird. This is a, a weird conversation we had during the Rolling Stone studs. We had it on air, and then I had the same conversation two different times in like two weeks with somebody where yeah. they were like. And people are like, you know, the new guy's not as good as the original guy, but they sound exactly the same. They do. Yeah. I'm like, maybe, I mean, I, I obviously will concede not being a huge ACDC fan. Maybe if you like listen to the full albums all the way through, there's a difference yeah, right. here and there. But on the hits, at least it's, it's functionally the exact same voice. Peter, did just, did we just agree to do ACDC as the next band? Hell yeah. I would bet there's already so many, but oh yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Okay, so back back in black to black comes out uh, is released um, in October of two thousand and six. Whoa! Yeah, we were alive then. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've been alive for the last three albums. Crazy. Wait, no, two, two. Uh, um, no, yeah, three. No, including two. In utero was ninety three. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you can delete all that. Yeah, we were alive for the last two albums. Um, so it went to number one in the UK and number seven in the US on release. Um, hmm. more doors slamming from the wind. I thought we uh, were the only people who slammed the doors on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so the first single was Rehab and it went to number seven in the UK and number 10 in the US. They released, I think, five singles off an 11 track album, which is truly wild. And none of them did that well, except I forget yeah. the specific song. One of them was released like a month before she died. And so that one did pretty well. But like, oh, so they were releasing singles from the time it was released until she died. Let me let me double check this. Now that feels wrong. But I'm like, I feel like it was. That's wild. If Huge if true. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, I misread that in the in the Wikipedia article. Back to Black was released 2007. It went to number eight in July 2011 after she died. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but no, they released five singles all f before 2007 was over. So in about a year and huh. a year and a few months. Do you remember when this song? You could not fucking escape from this song. Rehab, rehab or black to I black? should say yeah rehab. no i think well yeah actually we should talk about it now so we don't just fully talk over the song because it's a great song 
this is maybe so we talked about this a lot on the stones about their hits being so inescapable and about how it's hard to even listen to them yeah and i think i'm forgetting now i'm like this has definitely come up on the 27 club a couple times where there's songs that are huge hits and that are overplayed but i've never actually listened to that carefully and this is an, a great example of that of something that i have heard probably one million times in yeah. the mall or in a movie or in a commercial or whatever but I have never actually sit down and listen to front to back with headphones on. So it was like not overdone for me yet, which was nice. And also like you yeah. could actually hear it somewhat fresh, even though you knew the hook already. Yeah. This is just like the one thing we've talked about. Cause I mean, we, we talked about, I think one beach boys album that came out in our lifetime, right? Or two smile sessions. One? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there were a few, a handful of Rolling Stones ones, yeah. you know, I didn't know any of the fucking songs coming off of those. Yeah. This they didn't is have like, hits off those. This is the only one I remember. Like, I remember that being on pop radio stations and just yeah. fucking everywhere commercials. Yeah. Like you could not get away from it. Yeah. Well, we'll get to it a little bit later in this episode, yeah. but she is kind of the biggest star in the world for a hot minute. Um, I remember that. Yeah. So. Let's go ahead and get into the track by track. Track number one, the best song on the album, Rehab. I love the whatever the keyboards are. See, I like the, like, I, I'm sure it's canned drums, but I really love that it works with this song if it a is. Wurlitzer, that's what it is on the first one. Uh, there's no drum machines credited, all live drums. I think they're just recorded very condensed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's and I cool. love it. It sounds great. Oh, this song is pretty much, it's just perfect. It's a fantastic pop song. Oh, it's phenomenal. It has it's the, really, and it's really like the perfect level of, it is simple and straightforward, and then they layer it and like give it a bit of depth with the extra instrumentation, but it's not too much, like, yeah. And she, like, so a, a criticism of the first album and a compliment to this album, she knows how to use her voice now in a way that's, yeah. like, interesting. Or maybe it's just that Mark Ronson, like, knows what to put with her voice. But it, like, it has... Her voice hasn't changed, but, like, something about it is so much better than the first album. Yeah. I agree, absolutely. So I think there's a few things that play. I think... I think, first of all, most of these songs are just more, like, traditionally written, basically. Like, it's not the loungy yeah. jazz thing where it's a little more meandering right. and floating. Like, there is a tight verse-chorus-verse and, like, a more condensed melody. So I think that helps. And then I sure. also agree that, yeah, I feel like working with a different producer, working in, like, a different style. But one thing that I love on this song specifically is they have the baritone and tenor sax like really clearly playing it every yeah. time and i love how it like 
echoes in the chorus where the baritone sax comes in behind her when she's singing low and then as she like gets higher the tenor sax comes in and it's a really cool little thing and it's like because she's so throaty too it like really the baritone sax sounds fantastic like right behind her voice it's super cool we'll have to listen to that on this last chorus Like as she goes down into the nose, the baritone kicks in at the low end. I also love how she says ain't, but with like, she mixes can, can't and ain't into one word, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Hearing I can't go to rehab. Um, Yeah. The Dap Kings. Holy shit. They're fantastic. So good on that fucking song. I mean, you're getting Sharon Jones's backing band. Of course, they're going to be fucking good, but. Um, And then just like the lyrics (laughs) are are so good in without the without any context basically or they're no they're good in context i guess i just mean after she dies they're just incredibly incredibly sad but even at the time it's like i they're just really really good and like the edginess of it i think we were kind of talking last week about her being a person like a complicated person and why that like helped her get famous and i think that's true that's best reflected in rehab where it's this super poppy song about how she doesn't give a shit if she drinks too much and all that. And like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bomb. Honestly. Yeah. It's a good song. It's cool. I remember like fucking every hacky late night host when this song came out, they would like, cause I think there was a scan, not a scandal, but like, you know, she was drunk a lot. Yeah. And yeah, so we'll get to like, maybe she should have said yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like that joke happened a lot. Yeah. I'm sure that it did. All right. You know I'm no good. Uh, another Mark Ronson produced track. And, God, this bass length is so good. It's good. It's so good. Do you think that's Mark Ronson playing the bass? Nah, this is the Dap Kings okay. guy. Wait, I think. No, actually, he's just a bass player who worked at the Daptone Records a lot, but he's not the huh. the Daptone. Well, let me look. I take that back. He's in the Dap Kings. This is the Dap Kings okay. again, and that's why it's so perfect. It's good. Yeah, get I Mark mean, Ronson and like... the Dap Kings and Amy Winehouse in a room and just do not let yeah. them out until they've made fifty more songs. Yeah, it's so good. I mean. And this, I can like I can hear it on her last album, but just so much worse because it's like, it's it's gonna have a weird break beat on it like this one does, but not sound nearly as good. Yeah. And then like not have all of the like lush production this one has. Yeah. It's gonna be weird and jazzy. This album to me sounds like somebody Mark Ronson more than likely was like you know how you did like jazz on your last one. Well, blues is like so much better than jazz so maybe just do that yeah it's fucking fantastic and all the little details are great like the guitar lines the like chimey guitars on it are really great um the horn line again is just incredible like yeah 
And I like her lyrics, even though there's a lyric on here that I do not understand. And even looking up the lyrics, I still don't know what the fuck she's saying. It's you tear me down like Roger Moore. And I, I just don't know what that, that means. Out. I assumed listening to it, that's what I heard, but I assumed I missed something where I'm like, oh, there must be a more obvious like James Bond reference. Yeah, I didn't I also I had no idea what it meant. Let's go to Lyric Genius and see what's up. See if they can tell us. Yeah, this song in especially actor, Oh, go ahead. Uh, the English actor quipped that he had no idea why the actress had, uh, or why Winehouse chose to include him in the lyrics. Okay, yeah, so it's just something she understands, but no one else does. <laughs> and then he said, unless she wanted a word that rhymed with door, or could not find a word that rhymed with Connery. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Here's G- Lyric Genius. Two contributors came up with this. God, such a good baseline. A reference to Sir Roger Moore, who would in a bond manner tear down and defeat his enemies i guess so. no i don't i i can't imagine I that's it um i also love i think we talked over it but i did really appreciate that mark ronson fully provides like a sample breakdown for anyone wanting to sample this song it's pretty yeah. great. Like he does just the drum track with the bass line for like 25 seconds just for anyone to, yeah. If you need to cut that out, we made it nice and easy for you. Yeah. It's pretty good. Me and Mr. Jones. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, wow, she got, this is a wildly different genre. This is interesting. Yeah. I guess the Sha La Laws um, makes sense. You know, that's kind of a girl group reference. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah. you know, same quality of hair. Yeah. But do you think she's also singing like her penis like that guy is? Oh, yeah. Singing about her penis. Is that what I said? I think you just think said, is she up. singing her penis? Which, yeah, why not? All right. We're Amy uh, singing the backing vocals on this one. How I heard it was, because nobody else says Mister like that. Yeah, she's also credited with guitar on this song, and no one else is. Maybe. Yeah, I think she's the only person credited with guitar. Um, this song's it's keeping it going. It's still really good, and it's also like. Yeah. You're right, we're like, this is a song that would be on her first album, but it would be slower, it would be piano-based, it would be a lot more meandering. It'd be bad. But it's got structure to it because of the genre trapping that they're doing. And so it's got some driving forward, it's a little tighter, it's got a tighter melody, like, yeah, yeah, it's really nice. I'm curious as to when she, like, toured, if, like, I know she probably did songs off both albums, but if, like, the songs off off of Frank were, like, way better live it's possible yeah or they were just her chance to like sit down while a piano player you know and like just really go crazy i don't know yeah do the whole lady gaga thing right (laughs) i also like the line what kind of fuckery is this?" it's really great so yeah it's apparently about her not getting to go to a slick rick concert at some point and so now the it's mr jones 
Apparently Nas's real surname is Jones, so it's about her saying, I am going to this Nas concert. It's, yeah, the, it, it's a very funny song. Like it is, but also like beautiful. Like it's a, yeah. it's a real, it's a great mix. Um, yeah. and yeah, like we said, like something that would, she would have done on the first album, but it's just done a lot better, I think. Yeah. So those producers on the first album fucked her over. I think it's the same guy. It's the Salam Remy guy. And I, like we said, like, I think huh. they just really kind of let her do what she wanted to do for better or worse. Worse to us. Or I guess. Yeah. Uh, so this is a Salam Remy song, by the way. This is not a Mark Ronson one. Interesting. Okay. Even though it's definitely still the same kind of style, but uh, no horns, My, I don't think. There were definitely, there's the horns on it. Okay. Oh yeah, I there are some. You're right. The, the, the drum beats are the big thing I think like is it makes it a Ronson one. Yeah. Like if it's got a very upfront drum beat, yeah. I think that's Ronson. So now we get to Just Friends, another Salam Remy. I was going to say, I bet this is Salam Remy. And uh, we start what I would call the slow decline of interest for Peter in this album. <laughs> you could throw PJ on the end okay, of that. Okay, sure, sure. And However, this is this opens up a conversation that we will continue after the after the we'll, original after the album. Yeah, after the done. album's done, we're going to talk a lot more about this. But it's really surprising to have kind of a little reggae dub rhythm yeah. on this supposedly like all '60s girl group album. It's strange. It's, it's a strange choice, and particularly throwing it in after like three fucking bangers. Yeah. Like, huh? Well, I mean, like this is obviously the place where they would do. Or they'd mix it up. It would be a slower song or a different rhythm or whatever. And it starts like it's just going to be kind of a slower song, like loungy again. And then, yeah, the little yeah. dub rhythm comes in, and it's real weird. I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but it's not a song I particularly like, so I guess I don't have to make anything of it because I'll skip it. Eat. She's kind of just back on her old bullshit in this one. Yeah, just with a better-ish backing It's, track. it's recorded better, yeah. But she's doing the, like, blah yeah. thing, which I'm exactly not into. Back to black. So back to Mark Ronson as well. Yeah. Um, God, this song is so promising, but it just doesn't actually ever grab me. Every time I'm like, oh, I'm going to like this, and then it doesn't happen. I... I was shocked that this is the titular, like the album title, you know? Yeah, it's one of those, I mean, this happens with albums occasionally where they do the album titled, like song is a little more, is not the the poppy one. It's like a little more expansive and like, I don't know. But I think Amy Winehouse Rehab, such a better name for an album. Yeah, probably. Um... This album also does the fun thing where the album title is the title of a song, but then also the album title is lyrics in a different song, which happens yeah. occasionally and is always interesting to me. It's really they really like this concept of back to black. And this one, the backing is very good. Yeah. Amy on it, not super into. Yeah, I think the chorus is is better. Oh, 
Like I do like the it chorus. Does. The, the the verse is just a little long, and the actual yeah like lines she's given don't give her a lot of room to do anything super interesting. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Roger Moore, this sounds like a Bond yeah, theme song. It really does. It absolutely does. It. Well, oh, hey, we're we're teasing a lot. We're gonna talk about Adele later too. But this absolutely should have been. Why was Amy Winehouse not doing the like Quantum or wait? Casino Royale is that the Casino one that came Royale. out in like 2007? Why was this not the Casino yeah. Royale title song? The, You're right. She would have been perfect. Yes, she's totally doing the Shirley Bassey kind of thing, and like yeah, Mark Ronson producing. It's gonna the Dap Kings doing the backing track. It would have slayed. Yeah, yeah. You know what? In that context, this song rules. Yeah, and actually the lyrics kind of work too because in that movie spoiler alert his girlfriend you know his like first girlfriend dies so like it and it's about him like trying to or him like quote unquote becoming bond because he decides to like not you know invest personal feelings anymore so he's going back to but like it it works man what's your uh, uh, your favorite bond oh um roger moore they all suck. Here's the deal. I really, really like old Bond movies. Like a lot. Yeah. Actually, I like pretty much all I James Bond movies a lot. They are also all objectively terrible in many, many ways. And also, every James Bond is objectively terrible in many, many ways. So it's just yeah. which one I enjoy watching the most. And I will say that Roger Moore is the most enjoyable for me to watch. I'm a Lazenby guy. Well, yeah. That's the fun no. choice. That's the hipster choice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think, I mean, nobody's gonna say Daniel Craig, even though it's uh, Daniel Craig's the obvious answer. Yeah. But uh, Sean Connery, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's no good answer, because Daniel Craig is like, well, duh, because he's the actual like best actor. Yeah. Sean Connery's he's, like, duh good. because he's like the iconic one, and then Roger Moore and George Lazenby are dumb hipster answers, and no one would believe you if you said Timothy Dalton. So. <laughs> or Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> well, I forgot about him. I see. Yeah. I actually think Pierce Brosnan might be my favorite actor out of all of them. But all those movies, except Goldeneye, is great. But all the other movies are Goldeneye's by far phenomenal. the worst James James Bond oh, movies. So. Yeah, but Goldeneye is a yeah one of the the best. rest of them are just un unwatchable. Yeah. Wow. And instead, Love we got "You Know My Name" by Chris Cornell. That was the the Casino Royale one. Really? Yeah. It's not that bad, but Back to Black would have been incredible. I just don't remember it at all from that movie. So this is a Mark Ronson one again. Um, this band's basically like Just Friends to me, where it sounds like something off her first album, except there's a little bit better structure, but it's still not that great. It's still a little boring to me. It's a little... Yeah. I would say it's my favorite of the slow jams, though. I might agree with you. I'm going to go ahead and hold out till the end, because I don't, I don't fully remember all of these songs, but I think Fair. I might agree with you. I like the guitar lines. Yeah. I think that's mainly why I like it. It's good, man. I mean, hey, those Dap Kings. They know they know what they're doing. They do. This also literally could have been in a fucking James Bond movie. <laughs> yeah. This would be the middle sequence. Or the, like, credits, you know? But I digress. So the piano player from the Dap Kings is named Victor Axelrod, 
and his nickname is the Tickler. In the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. If you got a last name like Axelrod, you don't need a nickname. That's that happened with one of the guys from Canty, or from something. Uh, let's go ahead and get to tears dry on their own. So now Speaking. we're. Oh, go ahead. We're back to Salam Remy. So this intro rules. I'm like, oh, I'm so it's excited good. for this song, and then it goes nowhere. It's really disappointing. It's it sounds very, like it's gonna um, be a fucking bop. Yeah, it it's very um what is her name? Uh like Dion Warwicky. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's like that later sixties into like seventies kind of like and it's gonna like bust open like with soul the big orchestra. Kind of funky. But yeah. then the chorus is nothing. It's so not interesting to me. I love you're right I though, there should be the, a waka waka guitar backing. behind this. <laughs> and some strings, yeah. I love the backing yeah. during that. But like yeah. yeah, the vocal lines don't do anything for me. Yeah, and her voice is like not again like not super great on it. It's kinda like the other one where it's like she just doesn't quite have enough room to stretch or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like she's almost just toxing through the verse and it's but um, what I was going to say at the end of the last song, beginning of this one, speaking of Can't Heat, um, TikTok, the algorithm, we've talked about it a few times. Yeah. It is so honed in. There's like three different TikToks I've seen about the guy in Can't Heat who was nicknamed the bear. Whoa. Or whatever. Weird. Yeah. Where I'm like, who the fuck cares about Can't Heat? And also yeah. like specifically this guy. Yeah. That's very strange. Yeah. I don't even remember what they were talking about about him, but... Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, wait. Wake up alone. So now we're back to Mark. It's a really long intro. I like this one fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's not, again, it's like, I just, I get into a weird point in the back half of this album where even when stuff is pretty good, it's just like not interesting me like it, like the first part it does. I think it's kind of the same as Frank, where it's just like there stops being a lot to really grab me. Like the, especially just melody-wise, there stops being anything super. You, you know what it is catchy or is, that's hooking me. And I th- I thought about this on the last song when you said it. This album, not this album, but Frank and a lot of the songs on this album have so much build-up to where you're like, yeah, well, what's gonna come next? And then nothing comes next. Yeah. Where it sounds like there's gonna be like an amazing like drop or bridge or chorus or something and then they're just it never pays off yeah you know this song does i like this little section but i agree or just like yeah they just don't end up going anywhere super interesting
These backing vocals are other people, by the way, not her on this one. Oh, wait, no. No, this is her again. Sorry, I missed my mistake. All right, I'm going to go to Some Unholy War. Another uh, Salam Remy one. And I think I hate this song. Yes. But I really like that intro. Yeah. I don't like her voice on this. This album just gets very kind of boring, basically, in the second half, unfortunately. And all of a sudden, like, when it starts to get a little boring, then the, like, instrumentation and style then just starts to all kind of sound the same, too. And then it just gets a little, like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Like, did we need a whole album of her doing 60s pop? Yeah, I don't like this one. I think you're right. You know what's weird? Is that Amy Winehouse is one of the few, like, incredibly gifted female singers of the, like, soul ilk stylings who does not have a torch song. Like, she does not have a straight-up, like, slow song where she is going all out on her voice the whole time. Janis Joplin has it, like Adele has it, Rihanna has some, like she does not, at least on these two albums, maybe there's a B-side or something we're missing, but she does not have like just a straight up here Amy Winehouse go off song. It never feels like she is fully stretching her range. She never covered I'm Telling You from Dreamgirls. Yeah, I guess email us at beachboysboys at gmail.com if you know of an Amy Winehouse song that fits that description. You, you know what I think people think it is, though? What's that? Her cover of Valerie. Well, we'll get to that. I don't agree. We will get to that. <laughs> I, I also don't agree. But maybe. But, yeah. Uh, so, He Can Only Hold Her, the last Mark Ronson song. I love the guitar on this. Yeah, all the production and everything is is really fantastic. I think I like this song. But it's kind of I think I like it I until don't remember the melody it. is just nothing. But I think I like the backing enough to where I'm like, yeah, this is a good song. Because that little plunky piano is good. Yeah. I love the little guitar lines. The horn lines are good. No, I like this one. This one's good. Yeah. I would like... I mean, we talked about it a bit up top. I would like there to be some sort of fucking structure in these songs, though. Yeah. Give it a verse, chorus, verse, you yeah. know? Like. Yeah, does this one have a All right, addicted. 
Um, so I do like this song. I like the lyrics. I like the instrumentation. I like everything. And I also like, it's just such a weird closer because it is like kind of a slight little song that feels like it's like almost a mid-album palette cleanser. Instead, they close with it. And I like that. It's fun. There's a lyric in this one that's like, it gets me addicted, does more than any dick did. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, this song rules. It's like if they it's put very, Fuck like, Me Pumps at the end of Frank, you know? Like, it's just like a weird yeah. little interstitial song almost that then they're like, oh, we'll That's just throw what it, it reminds end. me of. It reminds me of Fuck Me Pumps. Um, but, like, I love the melody on the chorus, I guess you'd call it, but... It's also by far the most modern-sounding song to me. Like, except for the instrumentation, like the flutes and stuff, but I don't know. The rest of it to me like seems more 2000s than anything else on this album. Great guitar. Oh, the guitar is good on it? Yeah. Yeah, so this was a Salam Remy one. Really? Yeah. Okay. I wonder, I'm like, who's doing the guitar on 11? It can't be Amy. <laughs> I'm not seeing a guitar player credited, which is obviously wrong, but... Who's playing that Oh, hey, Amy though? Winehouse is credited for track 11. <laughs> I mean, she could be doing the dun-dun-dun, but I would doubt it, yeah. but solo is her, I guess. But maybe. Maybe she got really good. Wow, there's another guy. I can't believe that I was focusing on Victor Axelrod, a.k.a. the Tickla. There's another guy from the Dap Kings called, whose name is Binky Griptite. <laughs> That's his Christian name? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Vincent Henry, who plays saxophone, guitar, clarinet, flute, piano. Jesus. Man, they All got right, a lot of gonna... multi-instrumentalists on this album. Let me pause it here before we get into the deluxe. Yeah. This is the most buck wild deluxe edition on any album it is of all time. I I listened to the deluxe version for the first time today. Yeah. Right? Like I'd listened to the album maybe 5 times throughout the week, yeah. but I I just went all the way through the deluxe today and it's so crazy I had to text you about it. Yeah. So, yeah, so this album is only 35 minutes long, which is great. More albums should only be 35 minutes long. But it did, it got to the point where like I listened to it like three times in a row one day while I was doing a bunch of stuff around the house and then was like, oh, I'll just le let the deluxe thing play on Spotify this time to, you know, get some different songs going. And I also know, we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit, but like the deluxe was only released about a year after the, the first one came out. And it was like, mm -hmm. it really, the deluxe one is like almost the de facto like regular yeah. version for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, like in Amy Winehouse's team, as much as it is, like they don't bother having original back to black on any streaming services or anything. They're just they're happy just putting the deluxe out as like back Which to black. Which is crazy because why didn't they just release it as its own album? Yeah, um, maybe because they thought people wouldn't buy it as much, or they could do because it's like a mix of live songs and some covers and stuff. So maybe it was a little too slight, but. 
right. yeah it's all real right. weird it's it's very long i don't know that we need to go through every song but i definitely want to listen to a couple i want to not go through them but i want to just play a little bit of each yeah, one. yeah yeah so let's definitely start with the first i think deluxe track well, valerie yeah which i are you familiar with the original version of the song i am not it's like a it's it's a new it's song, incredible. which I knew, which I didn't know. Yeah, which it, like it, it sounds it, like it's old, but it's not. <laughs> it's a rock song. Yeah, and it rules. And like, she does not do a great version of it. Let's hear a little bit of the original, Valerie. Yeah, let's. Give me one We're gonna listen to three different versions of Valerie, just so people know. Oh, okay. Because there's also a Mark Ronson version on an album he released with like full horns and. This is the original. I want these this instrumentation with Amy Winehouse singing. <laughs> yeah, be pretty sick. But she does some of the like whoa stuff that I don't love. by the British band the Zootons by the way that guitar <laughs> It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I love it. But that yeah, it, so, and then let's listen to a little bit. So there should be, I don't know if you want to go to like Spotify or on YouTube, but there should be a Mark Ronson credited version of Valerie featuring Amy Winehouse. Yeah, the music video is weird. It's like they're at a oh, concert. Ooh, gotta love Wale. <laughs> I should have just done the audio, huh? <laughs> That's all right. Oh, he's pulling somebody out of the crowd who has an Amy Winehouse-esque beehive. So a little more true to the original, at least so far, in terms of tempo, I guess. will say 
I think I like still the live version that's on the deluxe. I think I like it the best, even though it's like the quietest and slowest. But I think just her voice, I just like her performance, I think, best on it. I mean, I like, of the two that are her, yeah. this one's better, I yeah. think. Um, but I, I love the Zootons version, yeah. and I think that will always be my favorite version. Yeah. Okay. I, so, I really like it, Valerie, though, and I will say, I don't know if it was, I think maybe it was done after Back to Black came out, like her and Mark kind of kept, or Mark kept working on it and then had her sing on it. But this absolutely should have been on the album, because it's as good as anything else on the album, and a lot better than a lot of the songs. I think, yeah, I... I this should have been, I've like, the really first song. I never this song out in the wild, you know? Yeah. But I think on the album, great. Yeah, it would have been fantastic on the album. And I think especially even, like, if it just replaced one of the weird slow songs that wasn't that great. Like, if it was just yeah. this song like it is, but just produced, I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah, get rid of those weird backing vocals. Yeah. Get some ladies in there. Anyway, okay. so you can go. What's the, so, what's the one you want to, or some that you want to talk about? Oh, I want to talk about all. Oh, okay, of these, let's go because through Because the then. next song is a reggae version, yes. a reggae cover of a Sam Cooke song. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Okay, starting a trend. The next one is a Toots and the Maytals cover, a, a dub band. I got really excited when I saw the name because it's Monkey Man, and I was like, oh, shit, she's covering a Rolling Stones? Stone song yeah. that I love. But no, and crazily... The Toots and the Maytals song Monkey Man came out in 1969, the same year that the Rolling Stones song Monkey Man yeah. came out. Fully different songs, not a cover. It's wild. So, they've got that. And then, some Unholy War down tempo. Lame. So just, you know, a slow jam from her album. Who cares? Yeah. Hey Little Rich Girl, a specials cover. Yeah, although... Sorry, the first of two specials covers. <laughs> yes. All right, all right. And then a Phil Spector joint. <laughs> and then finishing off with a demo from yeah. her, from this album. Yeah. Would you go back to Hey Little Rich Girl? Yes, I will. And skip like a minute in. Never mind. I thought I liked this one, but no, I didn't. <laughs> I think I just liked Valerie. No. What about Monkey Man? No. I actually will say, say I think I like Cupid, strangely, the best out of all of these. But you know me. I don't. I'm not a huge reggae guy, so. No, but what the fuck, Amy Winehouse? You're going to release basically another album's worth of songs, and and more than half of them are dub covers or reggae or ska yeah yeah it's real strange and just a real weird mix with the like 60s girl group stuff because like i guess the the toots and the maytals one like almost fits because it's kind of the same era and i guess if you love reggae then doing a cupid reggae is like okay but then covering fucking specials songs just absolutely doesn't make sense right it's so wildly yeah. out of place and then a Sam Cooke song as a reggae song. Right. 
It's it is Pardon? you're right. It is truly the weirdest deluxe edition of all time. And really it's just like just put Valerie on there and then the rest can be yeah. consigned to history. <laughs> that being said, I liked all the reggae covers. That's wild. I really did. That's wild. I did like them. I liked like two of them more than I like the songs on the other. Are we gonna have to rate the deluxe and the regular separately? No, 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 okay, no, okay. no. We we can just do the regular. Well, album. what would you like to rate? What are your thoughts, and what would you like to rate Back to Black? Uh, Back to Black is one of those bummer albums for me, and we we get these every so often where it's like so promising, right? Yes. You like listen to the first few, and you're like, holy fuck, banger after banger after banger, and then. It drops off, and then there's, like, one more good song, and then, like, the last song rules again. But you can't just have, like, a good... You can't have a sandwich where only the buns are good, you know? Like... Hey, tell that to my girl, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, hey now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, the middle part, you, it's got to be more solid than that. Because, like, this one, it's stacked up front. Like, Rehab Through Me and Mr. Jones... Great, and then it's kind of blah in the middle. I think pretty much every one of them, and then addicted is great. Yeah, but like you know, it's consistency would have been good. Consistency in songwriting, I think, because like as we saw in Frank, it was a lot of like loosey goosey, free form, like well, jazz. Um, where it's like no chorus, no bridge. It's just verses, you know, but like all of the songs where she had a traditional songwriting style and they were produced by, you know, like, like a pop record were great. They're phenomenal, but like, we just didn't get enough of that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I do think it suffers. I, I don't love saying this because I like the default being that an artist writes their own songs. Um, but it really feels like Amy Winehouse is someone who should have had a writing partner in her career Yeah, because I feel like she has an incredible voice. She writes really, really great lyrics and sometimes not all the time she has really good melodic instincts. Yeah. But it really feels like she could be like not not even like not a label you know like bringing in like a pop team like not that kind of thing but just like another person who has some instincts that she's willing to listen to yeah and will be like amy this song doesn't have a chorus we need a chorus or amy this song is 80 percent the way there but the chorus isn't hooky enough we need to come up with a better melody stuff like that she needs her so she needs a bernie Toppin. well he he just wrote the lyrics well, yeah, still. <laughs> it makes me he think structured of... structured the song. This is yeah. totally lame, but applicable. It makes me think of a U2 thing that I've heard where... Oh, God, I'm going to go to the bathroom. They'll talk about... They talk about, like, writing songs and how they'll get to a place with them where they're like, this is, like, 70 or 80% there, and, like, just having to be like, we need to rework this chorus to make it, like, actually more catchy and stuff and they'll they'll talk about it when they like release b-sides where you think this is a great u2 song but then to their ears it's like we didn't finish that bridge or whatever that bridge is pretty crappy even though to you know the more untrained ear it sounds fine 
It just feels well, like she the, needed uh, someone to, the to like... To the untrained ear, the bridge, the chorus, and the verse are all crappy. So It just feels like she needed someone to not rein her in. Like, I don't think she has... I feel like that's a lot of artists' problem. She needs someone to, like, kind of push her a little bit in terms of songwriting needed. Yeah. Um, Just to, like, get to slightly that next level. But I feel like... Again, I, I don't... Well, this isn't... I, I would rather this than, yeah, they bring in, like, a, a team to write her songs. But I... Yeah. I do feel like she was given a little too much credit as a songwriter. She she, she needs <laughs> yeah. The she needs somebody with. to bounce ideas off. Yeah, of, yeah for yeah. sure. So and but, like on Back to Black, like she only co-wrote four songs, and the rest are all just her. And some of the best ones are just her. Crazily, a lot of the ones that are kind of crappy, she co-wrote. But it's still like something's not quite working there. Obviously. Yeah, it's like she's so she's you know into all these '60s girl groups, which I wish there was like a better name for that genre, but it is like accurate '60s girl groups. Um, but like it, it, it's a lot of that in the production, but then it's still written like a jazz song, you know, which like yeah, right. Those songs were written poppy and then produced poppy. Like that, like you know, yes. fucking Phil Spector had a formula down, yeah. you know. Yeah, it does so just like, kind of make it feel like yeah, we talked about it. It's like it's just Frank, but with different production behind it, or like a different yeah. instrument, instrument, bleh, instrumental track. So, um, yeah. it is much better than Frank, but I'm surprised, oh, yeah. especially for how huge it was. Like, I'm not discredit. I think it, she's great, and she deserves to have been that huge. But I'm surprised at how kind of slight Back to Black feels. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, we, we talk about this a lot, but, like, looking at it within the context of the times and, like, you know, what else was coming out in 2006? Not good music. Yeah. So this was, I think, you know, ahead of the game. I get it. I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a 6 out of 10. I was going to also give it a 6 out of 10. Perfect. Yes. All right. So that's Back to Black. Uh, Amy's final album. So now we have a lot of Amy Winehouse news, (laughs) a lot of her life to get there. It's interesting. If we didn't do, I think this came up earlier. Big star was something like big stars ruining everything. Cause she would be the person with the longest amount of time between her last album and death, if not for big star. And then big star ruined some other statistic that I was trying to bring up somewhere else. Big, if we didn't do Big Star, we also would have had 27 episodes. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, so Big Star yeah. fucked us, and I'm sorry for pushing for it. <laughs> In that's hindsight, I apologize. PJ, I formally apologize to you and to the listeners. Thank you, Pete. That's really big of you, and maybe the first time you've ever done yeah. that. Uh, so Amy, at the when Back to Black comes out, she's basically she's one of the biggest stars in the world, at least in terms of being a singer. Uh, the album is a massive hit and gets even bigger the next year in November 2007 when the deluxe version is released. Um, Like we said, it it just kind of basically becomes the de facto version at the like UK year end charts. The deluxe version outsells the regular version like crazy. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, makes sense because people already got the regular version, but still it's like, yeah. Yeah. So she, she performs at the 2007 MTV awards, which is really only that noticeable because apparently Bruce Willis requested to introduce her. What a creep. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me think well, he's a creep, but it's fucking weird. He just loves jazz. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We do know that. Bruno. Bruno's got it. Um, do you think he introduced her as Bruno? 
I hope so. He said the return of the return of Bruno. Mm-hmm. It's Amy Winehouse, folks. Uh, so also some confusion about whether Frank is released for the first time in the U.S. in 2007 at this point. I did my research on this. Discogs, which I usually trust, says that there was a U.S. CD release in 2003 or four, whenever Frank came out. But then Wikipedia okay. says that this is the first CD release of it in the U.S. And to kind of back it up, they link to like a Washington Post article or something that reviewed it and said it was the first CD release in the U.S. of it. So I'm very confused about what Discogs thinks is a CD release in the U.S. then. If that's true, but Discogs is—I usually think they're really good. They're—that's what they do. Yeah, exactly. It's like their whole thing. So maybe it just wasn't widely released or like promoted at all. I don't know. My my guess is that it got a release, but it well, was well. And like didn't not I find a chart anything. listing for it in the U.S. in two thousand three? I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. So, Very confusing. I, I guess know. email. Look, email us if you have an original from two thousand three or four. <laughs> we don't even remember when it came out. A uh, copy of Frank from the U.S. We want to see it. Uh, yeah. So, she's on top of the world, but by late 2007, she starts a short European tour and is having a rough time. So, at the first show in England, she's booed and people walk out. Um, she was apparently crying, stumbling around on stage and cursing at the audience, uh, which... Isn't that what you go to an Amy Winehouse I was going to say, for? we've come a long way. That's just the Doors whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet, now it's a problem? Come on. Um, so apparently this happened at the first few dates before she ends up canceling all of her performances for the rest of the year, uh, saying her doctor advised her that she needed to rest. So now we get into uh, all of her basically drug and mental health and other struggles. And I guess I kind of want to preface this with, so like, it's definitely worth talking about because it's a huge part of Amy Winehouse's like persona and some of her songwriting and her whole thing is that, you know, she's edgy and does drugs and a lot of it. Mm -hmm. It's also part of what kills her. (laughs) And it's also something she like legitimately didn't like about herself in later years, as we'll get to. It's also something though, that this was a, not that we're necessarily better now, but this was definitely a time in history where people like Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears were also being like followed around by uh, pop media, basically, um, or like celebrity media. And just like there was a, a weird obsession with women who were like publicly flailing around, basically. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think like obvious mental health issues. Yeah. Being then. You know, parlayed into like look at the crazy thing she did and like how crazy is it and then made worse by the paparazzi following them around like you know it it really worked for those paparazzi I guess but like yeah yeah this was like a very strange time where it was like we were publicly shaming people with mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. And who were like also you know like addicted to well and not even shaming as much as just like staring at and like enjoying as weird entertainment um yeah well yeah yeah i think and that's you know yeah so so that's a but so uh, all that is to say the wikipedia page goes on and on and on because there were you know articles like every week during her life about and now amy winehouse did this so we're not going to go super into detail about all of it but 
it is it's definitely worth touching on just because it was such a part of her life and her career and how people saw her but i'm gonna try to not do the same thing so uh so around this time at the end of 2007 she's hospitalized for an overdose of five different substances uh Uh, heroin ecstasy cocaine ketamine and alcohol Okay, well, yeah. two of those bring you down, two of them bring you up, and one's just fun, yeah. so uh, I get she it. She also uh, was actively struggling with uh, eating disorders. I think she had bulimia, uh, at least, um, and, like, cutting herself <laughs> and stuff like that. So she had some sort of, like, supervision program she was in in late 2007 with her doctor and everything. Uh, so around this time as well, a British tabloid, uh, called the sun, which is a real piece of shit rag for many reasons. Oh, um, oh yeah. The sun is like the worst. Yeah. So they posted a video on their website of someone who appeared to be Amy Winehouse smoking crack cocaine and talking about all the drugs they did. Hmm, And so this ignited a huge media storm where she was, you know, yeah, being covered constantly for anything her apparently her dad moved in with her around this time so then there were a bunch of headlines like amy winehouse is under 24-hour house arrest or house supervision or whatever um yeah just crazy shit um she went into rehab uh for like a two-week stint in rehab and so that's all being covered like crazy it's just interesting like we'll, we'll get into some more stuff like how much the paparazzi basically has grown because like the Rolling Stones got into a lot of shit and it would be covered and there were tabloids at the time, but it was a lot more just like, huh, interesting and not something that was you know like, we have to ruin the Rolling Stones career. Yeah. An entire documentary about them um, doing heroin and then a guy dying yeah. at their concert. Exactly. Like, yeah. And they were just fine after that. Yeah. It was just a little more like, I mean, even when they were getting arrested and everything, it just felt a little more matter of fact. And like, uh, this is news yeah. because it's a celebrity, not this is news because it's a celebrity and it's entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and this wasn't that aspect to it. And I think it's, it's a male, female double, double standard because like, mm-hmm. you know, if people like you mentioned, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Amy Winehouse, when they Jamie are like Curtis, getting, s- those yogurt commercials really brought she her down. She was addicted to yogurt, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, they they cover it like, holy shit, look at how off the end these guys are. Yeah. But then you look at, like, the entirety of Motley Crue, and it's like, yeah, these guys know how to fucking party, yeah. you know? It's just like hey, a weird hey, double Michael standard. Michael Phelps got into really big trouble for smoking that bong that one time. <laughs> I know, they took him off the box of Wheaties. <laughs> Wheaties. Um, so... Apparently, she was brought in for questioning to the police about the video, but charges were never charged, brought, whatever. She was never charged with anything. So was it her? Unclear, I think. Oh, okay. I would. I guess I would say either no, because she wasn't charged, or you can't really arrest someone for that. Like, Yeah, who knows if it's performance art or yeah. whatever. Um, so, and then in February 2008, so just like kind of right after all this, uh, we get to the first Grammy Awards after Back to Black comes out because they have a crazy system where it couldn't be nominated for the February 2007 ones. Um, Mm -hmm. And Amy is nominated for six Grammys. So she's nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album, Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for Rehab, 
uh, Best New Artist, Song of the Year, Record of the Year for Rehab, and Album of the Year. She won everything but Album of the Year, which at the time made her the winningest British female artist in Grammy history. Uh, <laughs> I, I wow. don't think it's much of a guess, but do you want to guess who has that title now and how many they have won? Oh, it's Adele. And then yeah. she has 21? 15. Okay. Just 15. But yeah, she... Oh, no, her album is 21. Yes. That's right. That's right. It's like there's some number with her. So, uh, but very interesting. And also funny just that like she's not even close now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I was curious, so I looked up why she didn't win Album of the Year and what did. So first of all, here's what was up for Album of the Year. Uh, so Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. Vince Gill, These Days. Okay. Mm. I didn't, Vince Gill's a uh, flat picker. Yeah, I didn't know he was... I thought he was way older than that. I didn't know he was releasing music in 2007. I <laughs> thought well, he was from like the 90s. Uh, Foo Fighters for the album Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace, which I couldn't tell you that was an album for a million dollars. Kanye West, Graduation. That one won. And Herbie Hancock, River, The Joni Letters. <laughs> ah. So, Kanye won, didn't he? Well, I was going to say, I really understand why Kanye was so mad at the Grammys because Back to Black is good, but otherwise that's the weakest album of the year class I think I've ever seen in my life, and Kanye West did oh, not win. absolutely. <laughs> Holy shit, who won? Herbie Hancock for River, The Joni Letters. <laughs> Which, like, okay, another Af- a very famous, great African-American artist, but, like, I can, I totally get why Kanye was fucking pissed at the Grammys oh for God. years, because that is, that is truly and, insulting that he wouldn't win. And Graduation is, like... It's fantastic. A phenomenal album. Yeah. yeah. That's really funny. Um, so. But, you know what? Get your bag, Herbie. Good yeah. for you. Uh, so, but Amy could not travel to the Grammys to perform and give her acceptance speech and everything. She had to do it over satellite from London or from somewhere in England, I assume, uh, because she was not able to get her visa because she failed a drug test. So, you have to take a drug test to get your visa. Well, also, she did. I don't really understand. I guess is she getting paid? I'm like, I don't understand why she needs a visa, but I guess probably because it's a job. Like she's getting paid for showing up, I assume. So she probably mm-hmm. needs some sort of work visa thing. I was a little like, you can just go to another country for a couple days. That's not, that's allowed, but it must have been because it's professional. Why didn't she just fly into Cuba and then fly here from Cuba? Exactly, PJ. Roll her up like a cigar. Um, Exactly. So, but her winning all these Grammys uh, helped Back to Black. This is when it topped the U.S. album charts or reached its highest uh, ranking at Mm -hmm. number two. What was number one above it? I didn't look that up. Um, By March 2008, just after this, Back to Black had entered the top 10 best-selling UK albums in the 21st century, by the way, just to give some scope. Huh. Yeah, I also didn't look up the other top. I don't know how I would find the other nine from March 2008, but so. Yeah, that sounds hard. Yeah, so back to some tabloidy shit. Um, In April, she had her first of three assault allegations brought against her. Uh, she apparently slapped a guy in the face and she was brought to jail for the night. I'm assuming the guy was wrong. Um, he deserved it. I yeah, guess I, I mean. would assume yeah, that as well. I, I got to yeah. think. Um, so this and then some other things contributed to, again, tabloid rumors that she was drinking and using drugs again. Um, apparently around this time, her dad and manager tried and failed to get her arrested under a UK law from 1983 called the Mental Health Act uh, that allows the police to arrest someone 
to be treated against their wishes if they're like obviously mm-hmm. struggling with mental illness uh but they did not succeed thankfully or not thankfully probably thankfully people I mean, should have their own agency at the end of the day <laughs> yeah um so apparently around the time amy's doctor said that she did stay off drugs for uh, for 2008 uh but was drinking off and on during that time um she did have two more assault charges around 2008 2009 uh one she was found guilty one she was found not guilty uh i think the one she was found guilty she got like a fine um that sounds right yeah. so also there was which is interesting because this is around the same time where she she's doing a lot of shows around this time so it's interesting that she was having apparently a bunch of problems with her lungs and voice um huh. but was playing shows like crazy and like Aside from that one, that tour in 2007 that went bad, like all her other shows are supposedly pretty good in this era. But she spends a lot of time around like 2008, 2009 seeing doctors because she's worried she has emphysema and is like Uh. having lung issues and is like not able to breathe that well and all this kind of stuff, um, supposedly from smoking crack. (laughs) Um, So that'll do it, I think. So she apparently gets gets better uh, at a certain point, but still kind of interesting yep. interesting to note uh so yeah so she spent most of 2008 playing concerts doing a lot of festivals she played at a concert in honor of nelson mandela's 90th birthday cool uh like i said she does well she she does those specials covers live during a lot of these shows so she's still doing the weird ska reggae thing hell yeah keep it um, up amy so by 2009 she starts working on some more music kind of uh, so she tries to team up with Questlove to do an album together. Cool. Yeah. And apparently she's working on songs for it with Salam Remy. Uh, but again, she can't get a visa to head to the U.S. So that kind of falls apart. Uh, her label, you know, starts kind of bugging her for new music apparently around this time. But publicly they say she can take her time. <laughs> and they say she's even learning drums to play on the new album. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because um, we know the best part about her guitar playing is the rhythm. Yeah, exactly. So. so also, this is just a hilarious... I mean, it's not... It's funny. It's not that funny, given that it's probably like she was drunk and, you know. But uh, she she played a music festival in 2009 where she kept forgetting the lyrics and at some point during the show admitted she was bored. And then she ended the set by just walking off in the middle of the song. How very Jim Morrison. I was going to say fantastically Dorsey. It's it's pretty great. Um so in 2009 she also starts her own label called Lioness Records, uh mainly so that she can sign her 13-year-old goddaughter Dion Bromfield uh to get her career wow. going. Well, let's see if she ever did anything. I mean, she at least released I think an album on the label, so see not many google results for her so we're really in a weird cycle it actually all feels very modern um like and i know 2010 2009 2010 2011 is not a long time ago but in terms of our show and the artists we kind of cover it's a very modern album cycle in terms of like you release something you perform a lot and like she starts her own record label she does like a clothing line with fred perry of a bunch of like 60s uh, inspired clothes so like 
it's very much something someone would do now is like wait five years in between an album because they're doing all these different non-music or non you know not related to them directly just putting out another album um yeah but it's just interesting to note here because it's like i don't i don't think we've had an artist who's failed to release an album in five years like ever (laughs) no i that's a long time i mean like maybe the stones but also i feel like if they ever did that or like the beach boys it was like a purposeful break it wasn't really like yeah i'm working on it i'm working on it but for five years you know so right yeah so we kind of just enter like an unending cycle of it's delayed and now it's going to come at this time and now it's delayed again so like island says that it's supposed to be out in 2010 amy says well maybe early 2011 um from what i understand really not much was actually ever recorded for this album like i think the lioness thing that comes out after she dies of like demos and b-sides has some stuff but it was like she wasn't even it's not like pearl where she was close uh yeah she i don't think she was even close Hmm. um so continues to perform a lot though uh does a lot of festivals again and like (laughs) she plays uh this age as well she plays apparently at a russian oligarchs party where they just pay her to show up and sing whatever songs they want how fun whoa yeah um so apparently so in june 2011 she starts another tour another european tour and same as in 2007 has to cut it short so she starts this tour in belgrade this time she is apparently really out of it to the point where like the newspaper write-up the next day said she didn't seem to know what city she was in or like any Uh, of her own songs and was like very yeah out of it and apparently to make matter she tried to leave and apparently her security like pushed her back on stage and would not let her leave crazily i don't know where Hmm. that's coming from but um she canceled the next two concerts uh but after a couple days just cancels the whole tour yeah so the last time she performs is the next month in july 2011 she shows up to one of to her goddaughter's concert uh, and like jumps on stage to sing along with one song, and that is the last time she performs publicly, I guess, or at all. Hmm. Her apparently her last recorded song before she died was a duet with Tony Bennett. So fun. I, guess I didn't it, know he was doing that go. bullshit all the way back then. <laughs> I thought that was a newer yeah. thing. <laughs> and that was his second album. That was duets too. So there we go. Damn Tony. Actually, Damn. now that I think about it, I do think I remember in high school walking around Hastings music and seeing the Tony Bennett duet thing with like, you know, some pop like Lady Gaga and some stuff like that, like and remembering that was out and that would have been around 2010, 2011. So sounds right. Yeah. I guess he's really just only done more since then. Now, since Hastings is closed nationwide, where are kids getting their Pulp Fiction posters? (laughs) Great question. Uh, Let's see. Well, in the town we went to college in, uh, they would get it at Rock and Root. I think just any like record store is going to be a good start there. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was a place, but where can you now get, um, like a Pulp Fiction poster and then also like a marijuana leaf hat? Yeah, boy. Oh, I guess Ernie November and Billy. Yeah, would be. I'm like I feel like just certain record stores where they're gonna have like some more some wider selection, not just music, but yeah. Um, so in. Only, like, I think a couple days later from when she sang with her goddaughter, um, she is at her house in 
what Camden Square, a neighborhood in London. And apparently uh, her bodyguard was the main witness to this and had noted that she was drinking a lot and staying up really late. Not unusual for her, but just what she had been up to for a few Mm -hmm. days. So he went in to check on her on the morning of July 23rd, 2011. Went in and checked on her around 10 a.m. She wasn't responding. He said, okay, she's just still passed out from drinking. Pretty normal. Left, came back at 3 p.m. and noticed she was in the exact same position as when he left at 10. And then Mm. found she wasn't breathing and called an ambulance. Uh, so they got there by like 4 p.m. I think, and she was pronounced dead at the scene. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, interestingly, like, not like maybe an, uh, anticlimactic is absolutely not the right word, <laughs> but like kind of just <laughs> the most like day to day death we've had so far in the 27 club like usually it's like something big is happening that they're dealing with or i guess Jimi hendrix's was pretty like he was just living his life and hanging out and there didn't seem to be any real reason that he was like i gotta i'm gonna end it or anything he was like particularly struggling with at the time or anything um maybe he's yeah he's probably the only other one but he was also like at the top of his game at that point like that's true, but he, his was, was, he had just started playing with that new band. Yeah, but like, his was accidental, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, a lot of theirs are accidental. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I think, like, he was just doing he, his normal, like... I mean, like, he had stuff going Monday on. Monday night or whatever. I think hers is, like... Yeah, hers is. She was still moderately popular, and, like, nobody was around. Yeah. It's just sad. Yeah. So, the coroner found that she had a blood alcohol content level of 0.416, hmm. which is wow. wildly high. To put that into some perspective, I looked up like a blood alcohol content chart and on like the, if you're a woman, here's your BAC. If you have this number of drinks in an hour, the only little square on the chart where it gets up this high is if you weigh 100 pounds and have eight or more drinks in one hour, then your BAC would be Mm. 0.41, which is wildly drunk. Um, That is insane. So... It was attributed at the time as, this is a very weird Rolling Stones thing. I can't believe Brian Jones wasn't given this designation. Death by misadventure. <laughs> Which apparently. No, somebody else was. was were they? It might have been Brian Jones then. Because I'm like, it's supposed to be like if you're like in a risky situation where, quote, like where just accidents happen and just being drunk by I think yourself it was is Brian like, Jones. that's what they decided. I, I'm pretty sure it was Brian Jones did have that. Yeah. Brian Jones, Death by Misadventure. Yeah, yeah. he did. Okay. It was Death okay. by Misadventure. Like, yeah, 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 that kind of sounded right. So, so um, but apparently, but in 2012, I'm not positive why, a little unclear, but police in London reopened the case and they changed it to accidental alcohol overdose, which, duh. Why was it not that before? Yeah, yeah. very strange. Um, and then apparently in an interview around that time, her brother... Uh, like threw out there that well she was bulimic and I like she really struggled with that so I bet it was probably a combo of drinking a lot and then also she was probably just really weak from like Had throwing up, yeah not yet. eating and yeah. was just totally malnourished and yeah so which would make sense because like 0.416 is a lot but I, it's not exactly 
I don't think it's quite John Bonham levels of like, well, I guess he choked on vomit, so he wasn't just dying either. But it's a lot, but I don't think it's enough where you just die only from that necessarily. I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah. Like it's not alcohol poisoning, right? Per se, exactly. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I don't know anything about. I, look, when I was in college and we had to go do the whole BAC quiz thing, I, I did not pay attention. So that is the life and career of Amy Winehouse. I, we didn't talk about it too much with Kirk. We've talked about it with a lot of other people. I am always bad at remembering to do research on this. I don't know if there are conspiracy theories around her death. It seems to be very like like why would anyone Open have wanted shut. her dead? Yeah, yeah, basically, and no one was around. I mean, with Kirk, yes, there are so many. Yeah, but with Amy, I would guess it's more of a modern time, and I feel like yeah. I, I was gonna say I feel like people don't really come up with conspiracy theories now, but that's just patently <laughs> yeah. untrue. They come up with um, really bad ones, unfortunately. Now, yeah, not fun ones. Not about like you know death or like yeah, not about fun get, stuff you know, like, like why that celebrity die more like why does that celebrity run a child child yeah. prostitution ring in the basement of a pizza restaurant and our president's involved hmm <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, stuff like that but you know i don't know yeah i it i've never been aware of it no. if that's the case yeah so. i'm like the only thing like her dad who was like maybe good for her and maybe not like he kind of waffle you know about like how supportive he was and stuff but he was her manager like he got control of all of her music and stuff, but it's like, I think they turned around and like put a lot of it into a like program to help people who are addicted to drugs and stuff. So like, I don't, you know, makes yeah, sense. It's not like, yeah. So I don't think so. So, and then one other thing that is kind of interesting and also Shelby texted me during this to make sure we talked about <laughs> is just Amy Winehouse's influence. So like we definitely have talked about, um, her as kind of like this in this early 2000s soul R&B kind of revival of female singers. But then with Back to Black, she really opened like a different door of these like more kind of, I mean, not everyone was doing just like the 60s pop thing, but influenced by that. So people like uh, Duffy, of course, the most famous example people like Adele yeah. who I guess I've heard of yeah, now that I know she has 15 Grammys but like Adele has publicly said uh, many times that like Amy Winehouse Amy Winehouse's success absolutely got her to got her the attention from labels and everything um because yeah. I think her first album came out in like 2007 let me double check but I think it was 2007 um and uh, we should play a song because Shelby, <laughs> I don't, I listen to Adele in terms of like, I hear the songs that are on the radio. Um, but we were listening to Back to Black and Shelby said, is this, 19 came out in 2008. Shelby said, is this Adele? <laughs> and I said, no, it's Amy Winehouse. Like Rehab was two songs ago. And she was like, this sounds exactly <laughs> like Adele's first album. So let me pull up the song. Uh, Melt My Heart to Stone. To me, that sounds like Adele. See, but I think it sounds more Amy Winehousey than like Adele now. Like she's doing the like throatier thing. I don't know. Like it sounds like it's Adele trying to sing a little bit more like Amy Winehouse. 
Yeah, he can hear it every so often. Not when she's holding notes, but like, just kind of the way she's shaping some of the words, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay, yeah, I hear it. Like, yes, it's definitely Adele, but it's Adele from a record producer being like, sound more like Amy Winehouse for us, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, imagine this with like a hip hop beat. Yeah. Know? That's Adele. Exactly. Or that's Amy Winehouse. Also, speaking of huh. maybe a Torchy song, I don't know how much that song uh, rises, but, and just because, boy, high school Pete would be pissed uh, if we didn't, but we got to listen to Duffy's song. <laughs> we got to listen to Mercy, baby. She was definitely, because she also did, like, the Shangri-Las, Ronette's hair. Yeah. She was a lot more. She kinda, was blonde. Yeah. Amy Winehouse. Exactly. And she also had a much shorter time in the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah, this is, like, it's trying to be produced, like, back to black. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My morals got me on my knees. I'm begging, please stop playing games. For sure. I, I can yeah, definitely hear the influence. But this song rules. It's really good. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard another Duffy song in my life, but it's also just fun to reference Duffy. Everybody's favorite little British girl. Duffy, our favorite. Our favorite Duffy. So. Anywho, so obviously she's more of a flash in the pan, but Adele oh, yeah. quite obviously yeah. has now become much bigger than Amy Winehouse, I would say. I don't know about more influential, but definitely bigger. Bigger for sure. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Although it does feel well, like... And she's also super into Jamaican stuff oh, too. Remember that picture? <laughs> no, did she, she get her Coachella hair done or something? those dumb yes, beach in braids? box braids. Yeah. Yeah, so she got like box braids and was wearing a top, like a bikini, where each of the like cups was a Jamaican flag. That that was this was like a year ago. It was like she was at Coachella or something. Wait, a year? She's wow. Oh wow, that's awful. Yeah, it was like right after she lost a ton of weight. Oh Adele. Yeah, it's like come on. I thought I liked you. I thought you were supposed to be oh it's cool. not even box braids it's like yeah, it's worse it's a lot i mean like <laughs> I we can't decide levels of appropriativeness but it's a lot worse but, than <laughs> box braids baby. yeah i would it is just full-on yeah okay um so that's amy winehouse what do we what are your thoughts on amy winehouse's career and then we're gonna give her a 27-ness rating we gotta agree on one for how famous she was, like when Rehab came out, like everybody knew Amy Winehouse, you know, and, you know, part of that is the whole like tabloids shit, but for how famous she was, it's bonkers she only released two albums. And really only one that was famous. Yeah. yeah. It is absolutely crazy. Like it is the least musical output for the m- biggest level of fame. That yeah. we like, we talked about Nirvana barely being like them only really having two albums in the spotlight before Kirk dies, and this yeah. is only one, and it's not even as good as either of Nirvana's albums, probably. Yeah. Well, and like, to have like, she's got like a documentary made about her. She's like, they're still remixing her songs and shit. It seems like, 
it, it's just wild that she had such little output, I guess. Um, you know, and it's like, it's sad because fame probably drove her to, you know, drinking more and the paparazzi probably encouraged that a little bit more. And, you know, that's sad when you see it anywhere. Um, so, you know, I think it would have been interesting. Like, I, I, I don't often think this. Like, I've never thought this about John Lennon where I was like, oh, if only he, like, didn't die and kept making music. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what he put out? He put out. But, like, with with Kirk and uh, and um, um, Amy, it's like, I am curious as to where they would have gone. And maybe that's just because it's a little bit closer to, like, my generation. Yeah. Or, like, you know, it's it's more recent where I'm like, I wonder what they would have ended up like. You know, I wonder if she would have put out, like, another album that was just, like, all bangers. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it's just wild. Yeah, it's, it's a weird – it's a super weird career. And, like, we definitely talked about this with Frank, where it is not exactly my style of music. Like – yeah i objectively recognize adele's an incredible has an incredible voice and it's like a good songwriter and all that i'm yeah (laughs) um but i don't like ever feel the need to be like i'm gonna get into adele i'm gonna sit down with the albums and like figure it out and so that's kind of the same with amy winehouse we're like we're doing this because she's part of the 27 club and i have always been a little yeah. more intrigued by her just because like rehab is absolutely 100 percent a song that i love whereas no adele yeah. song is like a you know made for me it feels like well and so that's a good point yeah that's my big thing with adele versus amy winehouse yeah. where it's like i i don't care for adele um but like amy winehouse has some good shit yeah. So, like, I was more interested and, like, kind of excited and intrigued. And so it's very disappointing that I don't really like – like, I like half of Rehab, and that's pretty much it, and a couple songs off Frank. It's wild how little music she released. It's really wild how – and I I really almost think we have to credit her – like the constant fucking paparazzi coverage with her being as famous yeah. as she was to some degree, because like anyone else who releases that album tours for a couple years, wins a bunch of Grammys, but then does not do anything else except just keeps like doing festivals occasionally, but like, isn't releasing more songs. And it's just like, it doesn't feel yeah. like by 2011 in a, in a totally like in a vacuum, it doesn't feel like then her dying five years later or six years later five years after the album comes out should be like a huge deal where it's like, what, why was she still? So, so yeah, that's interesting. And she obviously like meant a lot to a lot of people, even when she wasn't actively releasing music. So that's good. Um, but yeah, it, it does really, I guess feel like, and the 27 club puts kind of a point on this, but it's like a weird time where the other members of the 27 club and tell Kirk were, it just was not nearly so public. Like, it's not like you walked around every day yeah. being like, damn, Jimi Hendrix doing heroin again. I mean, he, he didn't really, but you know, or like, and so the, the constant coverage of stuff makes a big yeah. difference. And then like, even with Kirk, like he was constantly covered, but not as much his drug use or him drinking a lot. Like it was a lot more just him being covered because he's in this famous band 
and it's constant because he's an intriguing guy to a lot of people, but not because of his depression or whatever. Yeah. And so it's this weird thing where she was constantly like, well, almost feels as though a thing where she, where her death was such a big deal because the world collectively was like, Oh shit, we kind of did that. Maybe. Yeah. I could, I could see this. And it's, yeah. And I think like, I don't think her death was like over publicized. I don't want to say that, but I think it really like reamed in the fact she was in the 27 club. Yeah. Because there have been like four or five people who are like, Oh, you have a podcast. What's it about? And like, I'll go through, Oh, we did the beach boys. doing, And then now we're doing the 27 club and almost everybody, they were all women. And I don't know if that means anything, but, um, they all said, Oh, Amy Winehouse. She's like, you know, like iconic. And that was interesting to me. Cause I'm like, to me, she's not one of the like most famous members of the 27 club, but like to a lot of people, that's what they remember. Yeah. They remember, I think they just remember the like reaction of her dying and being like, oh, fuck, this like nobody thought she was actually going to die, you know, yeah. like so I, I think I agree with your your. Yeah, kind of. It's like, yeah, it's it's like, yeah, we were all obsessed with how she was like flirting with death this whole time. And then she died. And then it was like, oh, fuck, she actually did die. And yeah, we've been and that was uh, that was awesome like kind of yeah. laughing the whole time. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think that definitely plays into it a lot. And it's like I'm struggle I'm trying to think of other people since then that have so famously like flirted with death basically and have died young. Um and I'm like kind of Mac Miller, but he was not as famous. I would say Mac Miller was as famous. Kind I would just of, say his he's his drug use wasn't as yeah. public. Here's I think a good one except they weren't famous at all really until after they died but to like the small crowd that was into them it was exactly this almost was like was Lil peep who was like absolutely into a lot of crazy shit and then died from it and it was like oh my god that's scary it's like wild because you never think they're gonna yeah die. exactly you know like <laughs> so like i mentioned just getting earlier, into the like, whole 27 club now yeah i guess yeah it I is kind of like, interesting yeah yeah no go ahead yeah I was going to say, like, Motley Crue, like, everybody knew that they were doing heroin and, like, drinking so much, but, like, none of them died from it. They're all old men now. Yeah. Ozzy Osbourne is just an old man now. Well, and the Fucking Rolling Keith Stones. Richards. Mick, yeah. Yeah. Like, they're, they very publicly did a lot of drugs, and they're all just old men, you know? Like, they lived through it, and so it's, I think it's kind of, I think people were maybe hoping for her recovery, and then it just never happened, and I think that that... I think that stuck with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it's sad that that's her legacy. Like, is that she was like this drunk and drug addict and not known for like, I don't know, kind of, I guess, being that influential as an artist. Right. Um, so, but then it's also really interesting because like her music's not really that great. And like, I hear what you're saying about being yeah. interested in what she would do, but I'm also like, I'd, I don't know that she would have necessarily gotten that much better. Like, I think she would have really had but to she did, bring in some. I think I Shelby's know. right, though. She did usher in this whole genre yeah. of, like, you know, 
even like Lady Gaga has like, True. yeah, you know, kind of started to do that whole thing. Yeah, and I don't know. I think I think she did break open the door for a lot of like, I don't know, artists like that. Yeah, but you know, well, what do we want to rate her? Out of 27 in terms of her 27-ness. I have a number in my head I can start with, and we can go from there. I also have a number in my head. Okay, that we'll say it at the with. same time. Three, two, one, fifteen. Twenty. Okay. Yeah. I think so. I was actually thinking maybe somewhere between 15 and 20. Seems Let's about right like to me. 17, then. Okay. 18. Let's you know? go 18. Just because, like, I feel like since it's more recent, it's more, like public plus like i said it it's a lot of people our age it's one of the few members they know yeah because they remember her death okay so 18 out of 27 on amy winehouse uh i would say where that puts her but next episode we're gonna do kind of a we're gonna do our wrap-up episode we'll we'll go through all the final ratings see if we need to adjust anything go through from bottom to top Of the members Talk of the 27 Club, and then, yeah. Discuss our next venture. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll wrap up the 27 Club, and then we will, I think we did this at the end of the Rolling Stone Suds. We'll throw out some of the ideas we're thinking. We will solicit uh, questions. Obviously, last time, no one suggested the 27 Club, so, you know. We just did our own Yeah, thing. we're going to do the thing where we, yeah, we solicit fan uh, submissions, and then we just do what we we're going to do anyway. But yeah, if you want us to talk about it on the next episode, um, you know, write in at beachboysboys at gmail.com. Give us some things you want to you want us to you want to listen to us talk about. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and preface one that we heard a lot last time was Black Sabbath. And I would honestly be interested in it, but there's already like 50 Black Sabbath podcasts. So, no. Yeah. Try to make it something that's a little more niche. So like, well, but like the Rolling Stones, there was nothing on. Somehow nothing. So it's kind of crazy. And, and the Beach Boys had one other. Yeah, one. Depend, but yeah, like Black Sabbath and then Green Day, I kind of thought might be cool too. And there were a ton of Green Day podcasts. So it's yeah. kind of weird which bands will attract that, I guess. Um, so. Yeah. So do some research yep. before you send stuff in. Yep. Make sure there's not like a million podcasts, particularly none that are put out by like a major podcasting network because we can go up Um, against something like say (laughs) we can take them down a peg or two but we cannot go up against anything on the team coco network no way buddy no no way nothing yeah yeah god all things funny no you know we do serious xm chat enough i wonder if they would they own like a ton of podcasts now i wonder if they would sign us as a podcast we are two white guys supposedly what they hate is diversity so (laughs) that's true let's write in (laughs) They just drop any if show with diverse got, audiences or cast yeah. members. So, um, you know, if if you got a hook up at Sirius, let us know. Yeah, for real. All right. Well, Pete, I'll see you on the well, other side of that beehive. See you at the crossroads, the PJ. And I think of all the things what's doing And in my head I paint a picture Since I come home Well my body's been a maggot And I miss your gender hair And the way you like the daggers 
won't you come on over? Stop making a fool out of me. Why don't you come on over, Valerie? A Beach Boys Boys production.